Hey guys, welcome back to Here's the Deal with Marcus and Reagan. I'm Marcus. And I'm Reagan. And we're so glad that you guys are here with us again this week. Um, this week, we want to do something a little different. We went to our Instagram and we asked for some questions from you guys of like things you might have wanted to hear us talk about or discuss or whether they were topics or um, just anything. And so we're going to answer. We can't answer all of them, but we're going to answer a few of them tonight. And so we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, the first one, the first question that we want to um, answer is how did we get started in music ministry? Marcus, you want to go first? So I started in music ministry at 15. Um, I joined the praise team for our youth group when I was about 15 years old. Um, and from there, you know, I just kind of sing whenever I was scheduled. I wasn't a phenomenal singer, still kind of not, but whatever. I kept on with it. And um, I started leading worship at 17. Um, in our youth group. And then from there, you know, just kind of grew in music ministry. And now here I am just hollering in people's faces every Sunday. Praise God. That And and you, you do holler. I do holler. But it's all for the Lord and it is so good. All glory to God. Um, and if you guys have not checked out his single right now. I don't holler on my singles though. Praise the Lord. Perfectly imperfect. Y'all need to go get that. It's a great worship song. Um, but yeah, I started in music ministry. Um, not because I wanted to actually was made to start at the age of nine. I started singing harmony at six and it was so funny. I remember we were in the car and my mom looked at me and she was like, we were like, I can't remember. I think there was like a David Crowder song that was on the radio. And my mom was like listening to me and she like turned it down. And then like, I remember her turning it back up and she turned it down and she just kept doing that. And I was like, mom, what are you doing? And she's like, keep singing. And I just kept singing. And she's like, where did you learn to do that? And I said, do what? She said, Where'd you learn to harmonize? It's like, everybody does. And I just thought that's what everyone did. I thought everybody <laughs> harmonized with the radio. And so after that, uh, I was nine and my dad was like, hey, I need you to lead worship this morning because everybody had the swine flu. So basically, because you were a pastor's kid, you were voluntold. Into I ministry. was voluntold, but I wanted to sing. So it was kind of like, it was just that opportunity, I guess, for me. But that's how I got started um, leading worship. And then I just started guest leading worship. And then on when I turned 13... Um, I started traveling in leading worship and a lot of people, I would get asked to go sing. And I remember I would like book, like, every, like I would book my, if I had to fly somewhere, I booked my flights at 13. I booked my hotels. I did everything. Like I don't I was like on to book my own it. flights at 25. I, I hate it. I hate it. But I was so determined to like, I want, I did not want to just play outside with my friends. Like I wanted to like, I wanted to do music. So that's how I got started. And I've just been doing music ministry ever since. And it's just been so much fun. I totally love it. Couldn't imagine doing anything else. I've tried to do other jobs and they've never worked out. I mean, they work out, but it's like, I'm not happy in that. You know what I mean? I feel that worship leading and music ministry in general is definitely my passion. Um, question number two, we're going to move on. Question number two was what's our favorite song and why? Which is a real difficult question because what musician actually has like a favorite song, favorite song? I mean, I don't know. I don't. But then again, I'm indecisive. No, same. So I'm going to ask you first, what's your favorite song? I would say my, my very, I don't have a favorite song. I have a favorite artist and that's the Clark sisters. And your favorite artist is multiple people. They're my favorite group. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're just my favorite. Like they're my inspiration. Like 
all of them. I love all of them. And so I would say anything by them. Uh, that's how I actually started singing gospel music was because I heard the Clark sisters. So I would say anything by them. That's probably going to be my, like, that's going to be my go-to like in the car. Like if you get in my car, we're going to jam out to the Clark sisters. Even if you don't know it, like you're going to get an education on why this is important for your health. Yeah. I can seriously hear that influence in like all of your music. Every time you sing, I mean, it's, it's there. You've got like the Karen growl and, and everything. So that's me. We can, we can all tell. Thank you. I'm honored. Um, my favorite song fluctuates based off of just like what's on repeat at the moment, like what song it is that every single time it comes up, I can listen to it. And it goes on that way until something else catches my attention. Right now it's Hine Matov by James Wilson. Shout yes. out. Shout out to James. Apostolic artist. Um, and then also, I guess my favorite like worship song, which has kind of endured for a couple of months now, um, is All to You by Brian Pound. Like, mm. seriously love, love that song. You're so spiritual. Like, I'm like, I love the Clark sisters. And you're like supporting apostolic artists. Like, I love apostolic music in general. Yeah, we we all support apostolic music. Yes. If you don't, get on the train. No, but seriously, those just happen to be my favorite ones. I mean, apostolic music has really, really taken taking off right now. Yes. And just like. I love to be able to just like be flipping through my playlist and sometimes like song after song is apostolic songs and yes. it's like on shuffle yes. and I'm like, yes, come on, come through apostolic music. I think so one of the things, one of the things I really love about apostolic music now, my one of my, if, since this is not necessarily the question, but favorite songs, one of my favorite songs is a song by our pastor's wife, Sharon McKee is, um, what's by our choir ocean deep. That's one of my all time favorite songs. And I just feel like that song is a song that will be like in 30 years from now, it'll be a song in the, to our generation, it'll be like what to God be the glory is, or like the blood will never lose its power or those, those kind of like classic songs that like you just go to and you just know the spirit's going to fall every time you sing that song. That's kind of what ocean deep is, even though it's not necessarily the same style, it has that same impact but you know what though that song kind of sits between styles too where like it really can minister to like yes. anyone yes no matter what style you like like it just kind of sits right there in the sweet spot well so. if you think about the blood will never lose its power or to god be the glory those are two songs that both quote the black church quote the white church those are songs that are acceptable that people will sing and it's like you have this version that predominantly people will do and you have this version that other people will do, but it's still the same song. And that's, I think that also is a testimony to the songwriter, which kind of leads into our next question, songwriting. And before we answer that question, I want to say something about songwriting, good songwriting. When you have a gift from God, like Andre Crouch did to write to God be the glory and to write, um, the blood will never lose its power. And I don't know why I'm on Andre Crouch, but I just, feel that right now, but he had the ability in this, in the seventies and the late sixties, and even in the eighties to not just minister to his group of people, you know, he was raised in the church of God in Christ and he was raised around that. And so that's what he knew, but he, he understood that he had a dream big enough to say with my music, like, God, I want to not just affect people of my background or people of uh, that are used to 
me, but I want to be able to write songs and sing songs that are able to affect everybody in the world, not just, um, you know, people of my race or my, my culture. And I, that's kind of what I strive for in my songwriting. That's always been my, and I do, like you said earlier, I do have a strong influence from the Clark sisters. Cause that's what I've listened. But I, I noticed this week we were singing a song at a revival with my family. And as I've song as I songwrite, my goal is not so much to appeal to black or white or Hispanic or whatever. My goal is just to appeal to people at their point of need. Yeah. And I think that if as songwriters, um, specifically, right. As Christian songwriters, yeah. if we, are secure in our calling as songwriters, secure in who it is that we're writing to, what it is that we're writing about, then God will give us things that will cross, you know, generational barriers, racial barriers, and all of those places that sometimes we as individuals can't go with, with just our words. Yes. Music can get there. Um, And I believe that when we just say, you know, I'm not going to, aim for a specific agenda. I'm not going to aim to please this group or that group or this person or that person, but I'm just going to purely write what I feel like God has laid on my heart. Then that's, what's going to happen is that the anointing is going to transfer through that. You said something earlier about apostolic music being at such a great place right now. And, and I think that's because like you said, everybody's just doing, doing their thing. And a lot of times I think in the old church world mentality, it was like, everybody's got to do it this way and they got to sing this way and they've got to act this way. And I mean, there are certain things you have to do as a Christian, you know, you have to live holy. You have to do, I'm not taking away from that, but I'm saying when it comes to stylistically, when it comes to the artistry, when it comes to the artistry. Yes. I think that one of the things why apostolic music is so hot and on fire right now is because everybody is just genuinely being who God made them to be. Yeah. And that's why I feel like I there there's pressure. And I think, I think you might've felt this before. I can't speak for you, but I feel like people that write music, sometimes you feel this pressure of, well, are people going to like this? Yeah. You feel the pressure to write the next hit song. Yes. You feel the pressure to, to write yourself. To write that ocean deep. You I mean, know, think about Savannah. Right. I mean, I wonder, I've always, I've, I haven't got to ask her, maybe if we get to bring her on the podcast, I want to ask her, like, how do you, how does your songwriting, how do you, when you go to songwriting, do you feel that pressure? Because like, if you look at all the secular artists of our time, like a lot of them break or they turn to things like drugs or alcohol or, or those kind of things because they feel so much pressure of, I've got to outdo myself. Yeah. I can't say, I can't speak for her and say whether or not she, you know, has felt that pressure, but I will definitely say from watching her just spontaneously, you know, put to, put to melody and put to words the things that God just lays on her heart, literally within a moment, like we'll be standing in an altar call and she'll just start writing a song and then we'll start singing. Like she'll turn to me, she'll start singing something and I jump onto it because I love when she does that. And then we, you know, we go for it. And I think that again, that comes from being secure and secure in your calling and secure in your gifting. And while, you know, everybody feels pressure here and there, I have loved to see in her, this security in just, just writing 
And whether or not it's a hit doesn't necessarily seem to be the a, math. It is. It should matter. Yeah, it's not. It's not a prevailing factor um, when she's writing. It's. It's purely a matter of worship for her. And when I was saying that, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that she should feel that pressure. I want to clarify that. I'm saying that I think that in the world culture, oh right, yeah, we there's a pressure of people feel like some of the greatest singers of our time that could have done amazing things for the kingdom of God, but haven't. You look at their music and you think instead of having that pressure of I've got to do this, I've got to do that. If you just allow your gift to just develop naturally and work at it instead of with the mind of I've got to outdo myself. I think that's when the best songs are written Yeah, to me, because I know people that have written great songs and then it's like every project they get. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like I thought that song was great. And then it's like, I hear another song and I'm like, wow, that was amazing because there's not this pressure of I've got to do this because I'm trying to make more money or sell more albums. It's like, no, when it's about the artistry and when it's about, like you said, the worship, and mm-hmm. when you just come from a place of God, I just want to be used. I think that's when great songs are birthed. Yeah. And personally. it's a, it's a skill to be developed, but it's also a gifting yes. that, that a lot of people have. And as any gifting should, it should be used to glorify God. God. And when you're doing that, like I said, I just believe that God will take it to where it needs to be. And he'll, he'll grow that in you. Um, if you are you know, sincerely giving that to him. And I guess I just want to speak that to any emerging songwriters or any songwriters who just feel like, Hey, I, you know, I just feel like I'm failing as a songwriter. I feel like I'll never write the next big hit. I'll never write the next weight on the Lord. Well, you don't have to write the next weight on the Lord. You don't have to write the next ocean deep. You just need to be secure in who God's made you to be in who God's made you to be in the gifting that he's placed within you, grow it, nurture it, give time to it. Yes. Give time to it. But also, get to a place of security in it where you know, you know what, this is what God called me to do. And if it, whether it ever is something that reaches millions or whether it's something that just ministers to me or ministers to my church, sometimes your songs may only minister to your church yes. because they're only given to you for the season that your church is in or yeah. that your family is in. It's, yeah. It may not be the next, you know, billboard number one. Right. But if it's a gift that God has given you, then that gift will have room made for it to minister to who it's supposed to minister to. I think too, since by the way, this question, the person that asked us to talk about songwriting didn't specifically say what to talk about. They just said songwriting. Which is, is why we've we just gone discuss. on tangents. But I want to say too, cause I've been there as a songwriter. I feel like in my songwriting, sometimes I feel like, Maybe I should stop doing like I I would want to write a song and I'd be like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's like I had to just come to the place where I was like, okay, This is what God has called me to do. And this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter if anyone knows my name. It doesn't matter if I ever get, you know, to sing with anybody. It It doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. It's about knowing that this is my purpose. And I think a lot of times people feel not necessarily because other artists have made them feel that way, but sometimes just that in innate pressure, you feel like, well, is this good enough? Like, is this going to be good enough? Cause other people are doing this. And it's like, no, like my style is so unique to me that it's not anything new. 
but it's just the fact that I feel like for me as a songwriter, I'm doing things that a lot of people are not doing because that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of people that they don't songwrite because they feel like they're not necessarily trendy. Well, the people that you think are trendy are usually people that are not trying to be trendy. They're just trying to let the Lord use them. So I, I feel like there's a stigma of we've got to be this way. We've got to do this. And it's like, no, those people that you think are trying to do that, I guarantee you they're not. I guarantee you they, especially apost I can speak for apostolic artists. Um, I think all these apostolic artists that we have now, like James Wilson and Brittany Scott and David Jennings and all these other people that are songwriters, I guarantee you they're coming from a place of, is this pleasing God? Is this glorifying God? Is this going to help reach people to, to, uh, to, to the oneness message? Is this going to help pull people in? Not from a place of, you know, is this going to make people feel trendy? Is this going to make me feel like cool? Is this going to make me look cool? Like I, that should never right. be a determining factor. And I just wanted to say that really quick. Cause I feel like there's a lot of pressure on that, but another question we got in, which is, which this one kind of shifts gears a little bit, Yes, um, but someone wanted our perspective on what holiness means to guys. And I'm going to let you go first. And <laughs> I guess I can get why that's an interesting question to hear from God's perspective, because, I mean, when we look at what, I guess, quote unquote, what we call holiness, when we talk about, um, you know, the apostolic lifestyle, we immediately think to women and the things that they do for modesty and distinction and separation. And we look at those things as what is, quote, holiness. Yeah. And then it just seems like, man, there's this long list of things that girls do. And God's list is really short when in actuality, holiness specifically is not the, it's not what your rules are. Right. Um, the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. That's God saying that, not me. And from my perspective, it's it's personal to us. It's personal to each individual. There are, there are things that the Bible is clear about across the board, Yes, but holiness goes deeper than even those things that are general across the board. And it becomes personal to me. My holiness can be affected by things that may not affect your holiness. Yeah. And I mean, guys have a much more, I don't want to say we have a, a more difficult struggle, but I think that our holiness is a lot more affected by what we what we see around us and by the tangible world around us. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's affected by what we see and what we hear and what we can put in front of us. Um, shout out to the person who asked that question, by the way. Um, Pamela Korea. Really, Pamela Korea, because you really threw one at us. Yes. Um, but holiness to guys is the same as holiness to everyone. Yes. In the sense that, again, we're all called to be holy. Yes. We are all called to live separated lives. When, when God calls us to be holy, that's what he's calling us to be. He's calling us to be separate from the world, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. We are to be holy. We're to be set apart. We're to be something that is special for God. And so whether you're a guy or a girl, you're still called to be holy. While we're 
skirting around the topic of rules and whatnot, when we talk about even modesty and we talk about all those things that we attribute under the umbrella of holiness, hey, guys are also called to that. We're called to modesty also, which can be missed a little bit sometimes uh, because we should also not have on tight clothes. We should also be present our bodies as something that is set apart for God and something that is not, you know, visible to everyone and shown off so easily. Uh, So it's not that the girls have this rule and that rule and that rule and the boys just have, you know, the short list on Uh our covenant form or whatever. It's something that should be progressing in every Christian. And while those things may look different on certain individuals, we're all called to holiness. Yes. We're all called to separation from the world. We're all called to modesty. We're not just called from, uh, we're not just called for separation from the world, but we're called to separation unto unto the Lord. Yes. We're called to be separated from the world, but devoted, dedicated to the Lord. And I think a lot of people in the apostolic movement, uh, as somebody myself that grew up um, outside of the apostolic movement, I always knew that apostolic people were separated from the world, but I didn't know that they were always dedicated to the Lord because some of them had ugly spirits. Well, some of them uh, had their skirt was a little too tight. Some of them, they was a little, they was pushing the boundaries, but there is no point, and I'm just going to be real, and if I get flack for it, that's okay. But there is no point, ladies, in wearing a long skirt if you got an ugly spirit. Yeah. A holy outside and an unholy inside means absolutely nothing. Means Holiness nothing. starts on the inside. Holiness starts with our heart. It starts with our attitude. It starts with when we speak or don't speak to the other apostolic person in the store yes. or the people who don't look like us. Yes. Our holiness starts on the inside. And that's and not just for women. That's for men. Flow outside of us. That's right. That's for men. That's for women. And only the two of them. Praise God. And the church said, amen. Amen. But holiness starts on the inside. Whatever is going on on the inside is what's going to eventually flow onto the outside. Yes. If you've got all types of junk going on in the inside that, that we refuse to get rid of, then on the outside, we will eventually become become tarnished as well. Somebody said on a Facebook post the other day about holiness is not about your clothes. It's about um, your relationship with the Lord and deny, or they said it's about killing the flesh, which is true. But to say that holiness is not about what your clothes is naive to say. Holiness is not about your attitude is naive, right? To say holiness is not about, Whatever you think it's not about is naive because holiness affects everything. And I will say that there are, like you said, there are blanket across the board things that we do as apostolic Christians because that's just what the Bible requires. But I think what people get twisted into um, not understanding is personal convictions. Right. And understanding the place of personal conviction, you know, I think it was Pastor McKee that said we need a revival of personal convictions. And that's the truth. We need people that have convictions because what happens is it's not that people are are so innately evil. And yes, we are carnal, but a lot of times we can we can be living a mostly holy, righteous life and make up decisions of like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore because this is for for example, 
I'm not going to go to the movie theater anymore. Some people can go to the movie theater. Doesn't bother them. Some people can go to the movie theater. It does bother them. And when we get around people that are that like specifically, and as this is a young person podcast, so to speak, this is a lot of young people listen to this. And a lot of these people, I know that growing up, they feel the pressure of, we want to live for God. We want to do things that are right. We want to be holy, but we also want to have friends. Mm-hmm. And what we need is a revival of, of people that will say, Hey, I love you and I can be your friend. And I'm not saying that you're necessarily wrong for what you do, but I can't participate in that. Right. Because and that you was may me. not be wrong for what you do, but I may be wrong. For that that was me as like when I, and I'm just, I, I mean, everybody knows I wasn't raised apostolic and there were some things that I had to give up that it was like, it was a big, it was emotional. It was an emotional process. Cause it's like, I knew that that's what God was requiring me of. And I think that, these people that are normally hesitant to live holy or to say, oh, that's legalism. Well, no, it's not legalism. It's just you don't want to follow that. Mm-hmm. It's that you're not you haven't repented of that and you haven't crucified your flesh. Because I guarantee you, when you surrender to God a hundred percent and you allow him to sanctify your flesh and you allow him to sanctify your mind and you allow his thoughts to become your thoughts. And you allow and you and you allow the word to just get in your heart. It's kind of like what I was saying tonight at um, our hyphen group. When it comes to reading the word, I obviously have a devotional time that I read, but I also sometimes I'll just be doing stuff and I'll be playing the word in the background, not because I'm necessarily trying to listen to it, but I'm trying to let that get in my spirit mm-hmm. because the more I hear it, the Bible says that your faith. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing mm-hmm. the word of God. And so a lot of times we have a hard time trusting God when it comes to things that are holiness or personal convictions, because we have no faith that God is really going to meet us. He's not, he, We have no faith that God's going to do what he said he can do. Right. And so I think that when you have that personal relationship with God and you say, God, I'm not just doing this because I'm trying to make a statement. I'm doing this because I want to be close to you. And it's because it's a relationship thing. Then it makes it easy to say no to things that might have been a temptation to you, might have been a struggle, might have been an issue. But if you don't have that relationship with God and you're just doing it out of works, guess what? That's not saving you. It's not. And it's also not. It's tearing you down. Yeah, it's not sustainable because, hello, we're all flesh and we're we're all prone to pushing the limits anyway. Yes. And when you don't have a firm reason for why you have certain limits then those limits are very easy to be pushed. That's one of the reasons I came to POK because the pastors of our church taught holiness. Everything that we teach, there's a biblical principle behind it. Everything. And I've, I've never been to church like that. And I'm not saying there isn't other churches like that, but I'm saying I personally, I know people that feel the same way, but they're not making it plain. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why I grew up with around pastors like, I don't know why these people are leaving my church. And I'm like, because you're not discipling them. Right. They don't Come know on. God like you know God. That's a word. That's a whole word. That's a word. That's this is a topic for a whole other podcast. We can make a whole other episode about this. We're going to we're going to move on. And this was kind of the last question that we had time to get to. Um, and it's going to be a little bit lighter, probably a little <laughs> bit funnier. But the last question just said, favorite preachers. 
And so I know that you have to give, you know, the, you got to give the generic answer first because your pastor growing up was your dad. So I know oh, that, I wasn't so I know that your favorite preacher is brother Russell Mills. He's been, he's been away from us for a while. So I've kind of forgotten a little bit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> pastor Mills, we love you. I'm just kidding. No, I love my dad. He's great. Uh, Anyways, but no, he, he really was a good preacher. My mom talks about that a lot. And I wish, um, my dad didn't get the revelation of Jesus name until a month before he passed away. And I wish had he came to POK and got involved. Cause like, I'm pretty sure he would have, if our church wouldn't have became apostolic that we were at, I think my dad would have stepped down. Truly. I really feel that. Mm-hmm. And cause we talked about it and I think he would have came to be okay. And I, I wish you could have really heard him preach because he really was a, my mom always said he's a connoisseur of preachers. It's like he has, he's been mentored and trained and worked with, and he's accumulated all these different resources over the couple of, over the 38, nine years he's been in ministry. Well, actually this in 2020, it was 40 years of ministry. And, um, he, he just was able to just go into places and just speak to people in their, in the way they can understand, not just, Hey, I'm coming to speak Christianese to you. Mm, come on. I was about to say that. Word. And he had a, he just had a gift to go into the room and read the room and say, and say, this is how I can preach to you. He would say, my dad would say he was a one talent guy, but really he was the apostolic father and he was able to, to preach and teach and he, he he couldn't sing at all. And he could, he would tell you that he was very aware, but he could do those two things. He could preach and he could teach and he like kind of wove them together. So when he's preaching, you're like, so he likes to preach a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, you just think, cause he's loud. You think, Oh, he's a preacher. But then he starts talking. You're like, Oh wait, that's really good. That's like, that's, that's got some meat on his bones. Like I can take that home with me. All right. So we're going to, so we're going to answer this question without the obligatory answer. Although I will say that, although it may be counted as an obligatory answer, it's the truth. Pastor McKee is Oof. hands down, just he's a flat out preacher. And if you don't like that, well, too bad, but we're going to count that as an obligatory answer that because your pastor should be your favorite preacher. Cause he's if you can back favorite. up everyone else and not back up your pastor then there is a different issue at hand. So your pastor should be your favorite preacher, but we're going to speak outside of the obligatory answer. So we're not going to answer with our pastor or with our father pastor. Right. So other than them, who would you call your, let's, let's give a top three because favorite preacher is difficult. Let's give a top three. I would say the, the main, one of the main reasons I moved to POK was because brother McKee, and I'm not just saying that like, and I told brother McKee, I was like, when I, when my dad passed away, I was like, listen, I'm coming to church because I want you to be my pastor. <laughs> I was like, I need you to be my pastor. And so I have to give him, uh, even though that's obligatory, I'm going to leave him out. But truly, he's one of my favorite. Shout um, out to Pastor McKee. Yes, we love you. Can't wait to have him on the podcast. Um, I would say one of my favorite preachers besides him. Um, one of the, one of the most smartest people I feel like of our time that has a way that reminds me of my dad's generation is Dr. Janice Ostrand. I mean, that woman, 
when she gets up to speak, she just, she doesn't, you know, one of the things I have, a, and I'm not trying to stir fight, but the things with my, our generation that I have a hard time with, you don't see in young preachers, not all, but you don't see a lot these days. And I would say not as much in the apostolic movement, but in the Pentecostal, we'll say the Pentecostal movement, quotation marks, air quotes. Um, you don't see a lot of preparation in the, in the new, in our generation, mm -hmm. like you did with people of our parents' generation. When, when, when people of my dad's age and that generation, when they get up to preach, they have a word. Right. And so I've always liked older preachers, not, and I'm not discrediting anybody young, but I'm just saying, I feel like they come from that generation of fasting and praying all through the week, studying every day you know, asking the Lord, what is it you want me to say? What is it? What is it you have me to say? And I feel like Dr. Janice Ostrand is just one of those people that she has the ability to speak right to you in that moment. And she has the ability to make everybody feel like you're, she's talking to her, you. I mean, you're like, you think like I, every year she come to Zion or anything. It, when she came to shine, I watched online in 2019 and I was like, this is for me. I'm not even there. So, I mean, she just has that ability. So she, I would say she's one of them. Um, another one that I love is, um, I love, I love Matthew Tuttle or Matt Tuttle. I don't I know what he goes. Pastor. I'm sorry. I'm calling him by his first name. That is so not proper. Pastor Matt, Matthew Tuttle. <laughs> I can't, I don't know what he goes by. I can't remember. Um, but I love him. I feel like he's one of those people that he has, um, uh, what my mom would call an Aaron anointing. He has the ability to just to just speak and to just get the point across. He doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. And I, I love that about him. And my third, I don't know. I mean, I like women preachers, so I'm, I'm sorry. Like if you're not a fan of women preachers, I'm a fan of women preachers. One of my, my other favorite, and I'm not just saying this cause it's obligatory, whatever you said. What did you say? I obligatory? said obligatory. I said that so Word wrong. Word of the day, guys, it's Le obligatory. No. Anyways, uh, it's Sister McKee. That woman is the reason why I'm saved. Like her messages are always on point and everything that she teaches is so sound and so not just sound, but she has a reason for everything that comes out of her. She's mouth. a reason and it's applicable. Yes. You can always take exactly what she's telling you. And then you can turn around and apply it. It's not one of those things that sounds good in theory when you when yes. you're at altar call. And then when you leave church, you're like, I don't know what to do with yes. this thing that I just got fed. Like you get fed and then you grow from it. And I love that about Sister McKee. We're going to count that as an obligatory answer for me just because I've been here. You've forever. been there longer. But we can let that one stand for you because yes. we already took pastor away from you. Yes. But I agree that Sister McKee is like, just a super super phenomenal preacher but also the fact that she just breaks things down to a point where they're so digestible yes and when she's preaching she talks to everyone like they're normal people like she reminds you hey i'm normal and the person that she is like when she's preaching is exactly who she is when she's not preaching like right. it's the it's the same she lives it she walks it and well the way she, she's funny the way she talks to people while and, she's preaching is that that's how she talks to people normally yeah like she's funny when she's preaching, but she's not like distractingly funny, you know, like where it's like, oh, OK, you've told 65 jokes during your sermon, which nothing wrong with that. I like a good joke during a sermon. I will laugh, laugh, laugh. But hers don't feel like the joke is there 
on purpose to make you laugh. It's right. just who she is. She's going to make somebody laugh at right. some point because she just she just starts talking. I want to add somebody, Dr. Bernard. Oh my word. He's the reason he's second reason why my mother is apostolic. Like, because he he taught a sermon on why we baptize in Jesus' name. And my mom was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm no longer a Trinitarian. Bye. Like, I don't believe that at all. Like, that's literally like she was like blown away. Cause I mean, he's he's one of those people that he does give you a lot when he's preaching, but I want I love the videos of him on YouTube of the Q&A's that he does because he answer he will answer your question specifically and you will not leave walking away. He's got that same thing Sister McKee has. Yeah. He you will not leave walking away wondering and he's so intellectual that you think he's going to give you some like long dissertation and a bunch of Greek words and he's like no this is what this means and this is why. Yeah. Before I get to my list I will just tag on to that and say that I love when preachers have answers for for your questions because what you have seen in previous generations is people have questions and ask preachers and the preachers may have the answer but they don't give the answer yeah. the answer is always you just need to pray more you just need to read your bible yep. more you just need to seek god more and i appreciate preachers who can and people of god in general who have answers for why they do what they do and when yes. you ask them they can tell you and give you a firm foundation to stand on. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll list my list and I'm going to count this one as obligatory word of the day. Here it comes. Because if not, then I won't be able to list my whole list. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to throw in an obligatory, just engage. Oh, now he's the youth pastor at our church. Yes. So some of y'all may not know him and you're missing out on the fact that you don't know him. You need to head over to the POK website, watch some of our live streams from just engage preaching. Or because, our Facebook page. Or our Facebook page. Because Brother Gage just flat out tells you the way it is. He tells you the way it is. He tells you the way it's going to be. And he tells you that you need to get your life right and go to heaven. If you mixed him and Brother McKee, you would get my dad. Now I'm just sad that I didn't get to hear your dad preach. So if you find some tapes. I will find some. If you we find have some a tapes, ton. you need to say. But I, I, like, he's that tell it like it is, like with that brother gage has mm -hmm. but he has also that uh years of knowledge that brother mckee yeah. kind of has i just appreciate the fact that brother gage has no problem literally just giving us the <laughs> word plainly yes and just again making it digestible but he's going to tell you exactly what you need to hear but don't want to hear yeah and i appreciate that we all need somebody Same. like that in our life and i appreciate that again on and off the pulpit, he's that way. So I can trust him to be a person like that in my life who will just be like, hey, you get your act together. He scares me a little bit, though. Like, I, I, I do not play any games when I'm around him. Like, I'm like, yes, sir. No, sir. Have a nice day. Like, he's just that person that he's just like, he will. If, if you like are playing around, he'll be like, the Lord just told me. Oh, and you're like, like he's I, I respect him so much. Like, if I was still if I was still youth age, if I was still in the youth, I'm group, not youth age. And I, I know if I was still youth age and Brother Gage was my youth pastor. I would never do anything wrong. <laughs> I would have like, there's so many mistakes in my youth age that I feel like I wouldn't have made if Brother Graves was my youth pastor. Not a diss to my previous youth pastors because they were great. And they also told us like it was. But Brother Gage just has this look in his eyes that scares the fire out of you. But my list as we, <laughs> as we wind down, like the preachers say, I'm coming to a close. <laughs> Outside of him, my list would have to be these three people. And it's mostly for the same reason, again. They tell it like it is. They make the word plain. 
and they get on your level. And forgive me for going for what probably seems like the easy answers, but I'm going to have to go for Court Chavis. Oh, yes. I'm going to have to go for Victor Jackson and I'm going to have to go for Mark Brown. They are three preachers whose messages are always so timely in my life. Yes. They stick with me forever. And like they like they literally changed my life and they're on our level. They they get right down to where we need to be. And you never walk away without feeling like you've learned something about the Bible that you did not previously know. Yeah. And that's just a product of them being preachers who are in the word. Can I give an honorary, like an honorable mention to uh, Jake Walden? Because that man of God does not preach all. He's not a senior pastor. He does not preach all the time. But he is a licensed minister with the UPCI. And that man, every time I've heard him preach on whether it's Facebook, what on the their they have a their church, they take their their services and put it on a podcast, um, Restoration Apostolic Church. Every time I hear him preach, I'm like always majorly convicted. Yeah. I've never heard Jake preach, but his Facebook posts. His Facebook posts are his Facebook posts always like smack me right upside the head right at the moment that I need to be. Yes. Shout out to Jake and also shout out to Jake's podcast, What Was I Thinking? Yes. Let me tell you, he already has come out with an episode about the oneness of God. Go check it out. It's one. It's so good. So good. So good. Well, guys, I think that that is it for our Q and A. Um, I'm sure that we'll get some more questions later. We'll we'll do a part two Q and A definitely, and answer some more of your guys' questions. But that's going to be it for this episode. And let us know if you like this style of podcasting like where we if you would we may not do this all the time but um once every four or five episodes maybe six yeah and uh, shout out to the folks who um gave who, us questions who gave us some questions and who wanted to just know a little bit more about us um, we got some that we weren't able to answer just because they would have took longer than some of the answers that we already had. Yes. Um, but we may take some of those and do full podcasts about them because yeah. some of them were really good questions. Absolutely. Um, but we just wanted to thank you guys for asking questions and also just for listening again. We are so excited to continue uh, to put out episodes for y'all and to keep let, having you guys get to know us and sharing our heart with y'all. And we also look forward to getting to know some of y'all. So if you haven't followed us on Instagram, go ahead to at podcast. Here's the deal. And you can follow us and send us a message and let us know who you would be interested in seeing us interview. Um, Cause we've got some people in mind that we've already asked, but we want to know who you guys um, want to hear and want to see. But all right, guys, we said we were coming to a close a while back. The musicians have been up for a while. Everybody's been standing and so we're going to bring it to a close. And we will see you guys later. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And I hope you have a blessed day. Goodbye. Bye.